morning. Uh, good morning. My name is David Soren. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, you know, I want to take just a one-week break uh, this morning from the book of Luke to explore a topic that's kind of been on my heart the last uh, few months. You know, I, I think when we misunderstand God, when we misunderstand our relationship to him, everything else in our lives gets out of whack. How we think we are to live, how we think we are to even serve others gets skewed if we first don't understand who God is and how we are to relate to him. And so this morning, taking a break from the book of Luke, and we're going to look instead at the words of the Apostle Paul, who's one of the great leaders of the Christian movement in the early days. Uh, if you want to follow along, uh, we are going to be on page 934 uh, in the Bibles under the chairs, or you can use the Renovation Church app. You just have Bible and weekly verses. Uh, and we're going to look at Paul's words uh, regarding a service, uh, which is a subject that I think modern-day American Christians don't have a great biblical understanding of anymore. And so I want to take a look at uh, what the Bible teaches. So we're in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. It's an amazing chapter in the Bible. Uh, Paul talks about the power of both the resurrection of Jesus and your resurrection as a believer uh, when you die. And then at the end of the chapter, verse 58, he moves to this one final uh, statement where he's going to say, if the resurrection is true, if the fact that you have eternal life is true, then this. Well, I want to know what that is. It's a practical statement for our lives. So we are just taking a look at verse 58 today because there's a lot in there. So 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Paul says this. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Okay, so powerful verse about your labor in the Lord. Okay, what is that? What is, what is the, your labor in the Lord, the work of the Lord? Well, that's God's work on earth. It's the spread of God's fame, of his name, of his glory uh, throughout the earth. First and foremost, that starts with us serving, with being an integral part of a local church. And of course, then it expands outward from there and goes much further than that. So one of the first things that I want you to see that I think a lot of modern day people miss is that this verse says your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The word labor is what I think a lot of people miss when they think about serving. The very nature of the word labor implies that when you serve for the Lord, that it's not necessarily going to be easy. It's not going to be a walk in the park. It doesn't say your easy and fulfilling service in the Lord will not be in vain. It says your labor in the Lord will not be in vain. And yet today, I think a lot of American Christians believe that serving the church, or maybe it's just out serving the community, Whatever it is, they believe that it should be fun, it should be fulfilling, and it should be life-giving. Honestly, I think a lot of that stems from the American church's overemphasis on uh, spiritual gifts, uh, kind of in the late 20th century. Uh, for, I know a lot of you grew up uh, not going to church, or you grew up Lutheran or Catholic, but for a lot of you in this room, you maybe grew up in Baptist churches or evangelical churches, and you probably remember the days, do you remember the days when everybody was taking like spiritual gift tests, inventories, and you would take this test, lots of times it was just a big packet or online, and you would find out what your spiritual gift was. And the point of it, often leaders said, was so you could then 
be plugged into the most exciting and life-giving area for you to serve. Now, I think it's true that God has gifted you uniquely, but the point of finding your gift isn't so you can be most fulfilled. It's so you can best serve and glorify God. See, the manner in which Jesus Christ talks about serving, I think, is drastically different than how most American Christians think about serving. I'm just going to give you a little taste of this. So let's jump ahead kind of in the book of Luke to Luke 17. Look at this teaching from Jesus. This is going to sound even foreign to your ears. So Jesus says this. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper? Get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? The rhetorical answer to that is actually no. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. (laughs) So Jesus talking about service. All right, that sounds nothing like Pick a volunteer team that is fun and life-giving for you. That sounds a a little bit more like labor. That that ministry, that expanding the kingdom is often hard work. Now, we don't need to go all the way to that end of the continuum. Yes, when you're serving the Lord, sometimes it's incredibly life-giving. You get to see God move through you, and it's a powerful, powerful thing. But sometimes when you're serving the Lord, it's a grind. It just is. And the problem is, if the only reason you sign up to serve somewhere and start serving for the Lord, if the only reason you sign up is because you're doing it for you, so you can feel better about yourself or so you can get something out of it, if that's why you sign up, well, then you're going to quit. And ironically, you will quit as soon as it feels like labor which is what the Bible says it's going to feel like. I think one of the only reasons we think this way is because we're looking at our relationship with God incorrectly nowadays. Just like I said at the beginning. In fact, let me ask you a question. Uh, Let's just throw this up on the screen here. Which of these two things is a more accurate description of your faith? What would you say? Number one, do you believe that God exists to serve you? Or number two, do you believe that, that you exist to serve God? Now, I think, of course, you can look at this, and I bet almost all of you are going to say, well, I get it, it's number two, of course, that's what I believe. But I, I know that it's easy to answer number two, but my sense of it as a pastor and just watching people for the last 15 years, my, my sense is about 80% of American Christians actually live as if number one is true, not number two. We have to ask the question, what would our actions or our schedules say about which of those two we believe? Or here's another way to think about it. Okay, what if someone somehow could take all of your prayers from the last two months, compile them, put them in a book, and then just give them to a random, completely unbiased person to read? What would they say? Would they say it looks like you are praying like God is there to serve you or as if you are there to serve 
God. You know, I've been uh, pastoring this church since we started it uh, nine years ago, and I coach uh, all of our church planters and consult with another uh, number of other pastors and help them in their ministries. And so I know that sometimes churches go through seasons where they maybe have a number of volunteers quit at the same time or they're struggling maybe to create a culture of service. And so I feel like I've acquired a decent amount of data on this over the years. And one of the things that I find for churches is usually the line of reasoning is the same when churches sort of get in a rut and people move away from having an attitude of service. And so people come to their ministry leader and they say, usually the line of reasoning is something like, I feel... Like, God wants me to, to take a break, to get my life kind of balanced again, to figure out, to not overcommit. And so I'm going to have to step down from uh, the greeting team or the kids' ministry. By the way, I feel like whenever I, whenever I visit a church, uh, when I'm on vacation or somewhere, I feel like everybody nowadays names their children's ministry Kids Zone with a Z at the end of kids. <laughs> Maybe that's only funny to me, but I just find it hilarious. Okay. <laughs> And so they go to the kids' zone leader or the greeting team leader, right? And the worship leader, the children's pastor is going, well, this is crazy because apparently God is doing something odd because he's now called 20 of you this year to stop serving so you could focus on yourself. And there's another level of irony that often happens in churches. I think of our church plants, uh, for example. Often their children's ministries are just exploding with growth and the workers are few. And so it's hard to believe that God Almighty is looking down at all of the people and saying, I see you, I see you spending 50 hours a week entertaining yourself, which is what the average American does. I see you taking your kids to all sorts of activities. I see that you're really, really busy. So I'm going to put this particular thing on your heart. I'm going to put on your heart, even though you're entertaining yourself for 50 hours, you got all these other things, what I want you to do in order to get more balance in your life, what I want you to do is to pull back from those overcrowded classrooms. Pull back that one hour a month that you are discipling the next generation for Christ. I want you to pull back from that so you can focus on you. Right? It sounds ridiculous when we say it like that, right? It's, 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 it's silly. And yet it's happening in churches all over America. We've just lost this biblical understanding of what it is to be a disciple, of what it is to serve. People have fallen into this lie that God exists to serve me, that God is there to balance my life, almost as if God's number one concern for me is that I have rest, peace, and balance. I think a lot of people think, if my life gets stressful and difficult, God wants me then to pull back from the hard things so I can be okay. And I'll just tell you, that's not a biblical faith. Uh, what that is, is that's an inverted faith. You know, to invert something, you know what that is? When you invert something, you reverse it. Typically, it means that you, you flip something upside down. And when we invert our faith, rather than us existing to serve God, we say, no, 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 God exists to serve me, to make my life less stressful, more comfortable, easier. But God does not exist to serve you. His purpose is not to be there just to remove stress and difficulty from your life. I mean, read through the Bible. In the Bible, many of the things 
probably most of the things that God asks his followers to do are incredibly stressful, incredibly difficult. He says, Jonah, go to Nineveh and ask those wicked people to repent. Well, that sounds like a walk in the park, right? Moses, go talk to that evil and wicked Pharaoh and tell him to let my people, his slaves, the people that are holding up his economy, tell him to let them go. Jesus, my son, go to the cross. In the book of Acts, you read about Paul and many others. They're going from city to city telling people about Jesus. Repeatedly, Paul is stoned. They throw rocks at him. Not a walk in the park. He's put in prison multiple times. And hear me on this, American Christians. You don't see Paul saying, you know what, this can't be God. Because God would want me to have a break. God would want me to have some balance. God would want me to just focus on me. God would want me to just have more self-care in my life right now. Surely none of us are getting stoned and thrown in prison for our faith. So why is it that Paul is able to do what so many of us are not able to do? Well, he understands that he exists to serve God. And how, how, how is he able to give his whole life to serving God? Because so many of us, we think about, okay, if I started to serve God more, you're thinking about it, and it just feels like drudgery to you. You're like, how, I don't know. How am I going to do this? What allows Paul to do that? Well, it goes back to the very, look at the text again. It goes back to the very first word of the verse. Anybody have it in front of you? Yell it. Somebody shout it out. What's the very first word of this passage? of this verse. What is it? It's therefore. Now, this is an important word. An old Bible rule is whenever you see a therefore, you got to ask, what's it there for? And so you look backwards. That wasn't that funny. <laughs> so you look backwards in the text to see what it says. So let's do this. This is Paul's great chapter about the resurrection of our bodies based on the resurrection of Jesus. So let's go back three or four verses. So let's go to verse 54. So just glance with your eyes back a few verses. Here's what Paul says. He says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable. Uh, what he's talking about is your bodies are perishable. You're dying. Your body is decaying. It's going to perish. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you will be clothed with a new body in heaven that will be imperishable. You will live forever. And the mortal is now clothed with immortality. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Right, so you could say to death, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Well, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now we get to verse 58. What's it say? It says, so therefore, what does that mean? It means, therefore, since you are going to go to heaven for all of eternity, therefore, since Jesus saved you, he looked at your miserable, sinful life and said, I want them in my family. Therefore, because Jesus went and was brutally crucified on the cross because he's so in love with you and wants so much from your life, therefore... My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Therefore, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. 
because of what he did. That's why we do it. Not out of guilt. Not out of compulsion. Because of what he did for sinners like us. See, Paul and so many other people in the Bible, they're able to labor even when it's really hard, even when they're throwing rocks at your face. Because they know that they know that they know that eternity is coming. And for us as believers, death will have no sting. But they also know that for those without Christ, the sting of hell will last forever. And because of that, I will suffer for Christ. Will you suffer for Christ? Will you labor for Christ who suffered for you? You see, the Bible, the Bible never describes serving as a, a way to get more self-fulfillment or sort of good vibes in your life. I think we've sort of intermingled American sales pitching to churches do this to kind of get people to serve. It, it's not. It's not biblical discipleship. Uh, so you read 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is a passage where Paul is saying, I'm, I'm, I'll do whatever it takes to reach the Jews, to reach the Gentiles. I'll do whatever it takes. And kind of towards the end of that chapter, verse 27, he says, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. Will you do that so people who will reach Christ can, can meet Christ? So that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, this is one of the biggest therefores in the Bible. Romans 1 through 11 is basically his treatise on the gospel, on how we are saved. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that he would die for sinners like us, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to worship God? Are you here because you want to worship God? If you want to worship God with your life, please do not come here and just sing songs about how great God is and how he can save sinners and then do nothing. If you do that, you mock God. If you want to worship him, what do you do? Well, what does the text say? You offer your body. That's worship. Not singing. You offer your body as a living sacrifice. Well, what is sacrifice? Sacrifice is to embrace discomfort for the sake of a greater good. You say, I'm going to advance the work of the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to be a part of his kingdom, even though it will be a sacrifice to me. It will, it will interrupt and, and make my schedule more difficult. I might have to let go of something else. I might have to get up early, but I will offer my body as a sacrifice, as a form of worship, because of what he sacrificed for me. See, one of the things this really important verse in Scripture presupposes is that every brother and sister in the Lord, every Christian, is giving themselves to the work of the Lord. You can't give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord if you're not doing anything. And so let me ask you, what are you doing for Jesus Christ right now? Specifically, what this particular verse is asking 
is what are you doing to advance his work? Of how many of you in this room could it be said they are a servant of Jesus in advancing his kingdom? See, Christians, we love, one of the verses that we love, we put this up on our wall and artwork, and uh, you probably share a cute picture of this on Instagram or something. We, we love this verse from Matthew 25. You know the one where Christ, the, 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 there's a parable, or the Christ figure in the parable says, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he says, Come and share your master's happiness. And we all kind of, many of you, if you've been in church, you know that verse. And we sort of picture Jesus saying that to us when we get to heaven. Like, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enter and share your master's happiness. And yet I think we must, if we're going to be truthful, we must ask ourselves, could God even truthfully label you as one of his servants? Okay, if he's going to say well done to you, we have to ask, what have I done to advance his kingdom? Because that's what the parable is about. It, it, if you read it in Matthew 25, it's about expanding his kingdom. Two turns into two, five turns into five. What have I done to advance the kingdom of God that God could even say to me, well done, servant? And many of us, we throw our excuses up to God. Maybe you've, maybe you've just been doing that, like, oh, David, stop talking, because my excuse is this. Now, many of us say, I'm just in a stage of life right now. I've got a, a bunch of little kids. Right now, I'm just trying to focus on my kids uh, following Christ. Others say, I'm just really busy at work. I'm just trying to be a Christian at my business, I'm trying to be really ethical at my work. I would say, that's great. That's awesome. The Bible has lots of verses about teaching your kids in the way of the Lord, raising them to be godly, about in everything you do, even at work, that you do it to the Lord. But here's the problem. If all of us as Christians just take care of our families and we're nice and ethical people at work, Christianity will evaporate from this country in a generation or two. The word of God tells us to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Always, right? So it goes beyond just these walls, but surely it starts with your church on a Sunday. If, if you call Renovation Church your home, like if someone asked you, hey, where are you going to church? And you said, I go to Renovation Church. It meets in this really cool gym. If, that, if, that's, if that's you and, you and you call this your home, we encourage every single person, every adult, every teenager even in this room, to find a place to serve. Because that's what a disciple is. A disciple serves. So I'm talking 100% of you. Seriously, 100% of you. On top of your chairs, when you walked in today, you probably saw that sheet. You can look at it if you want. Of There's 11 different teams where you can serve at this church. I encourage you to look at it. This is a way you apply the word of God. You don't just sit here and get in your car on the way home and go, that was really interesting. That's, that's hearing what the word says and not doing anything. Every single one of these teams has needs. In fact, one of the things that is a challenge for us is because we're continuing to grow quickly as a church, if we were to fill every volunteer position, everything that we would need to get filled for all the teams, we need to fill about 80 volunteer positions. I think the really challenging part is half of those, 40 of those, 
are in renovation kits. So one of the things that's happened is as we continue to grow, I mean, we've gone from 300 to 500 some people in a little over two years, two and a half years. And a lot of that growth comes in, in, in children. So in the fall, we're expecting to have somewhere between 140 and 150 kids in the children's area every single Sunday. I remember when it was 15, okay? It was 10 times ago. I remember we had Sundays where we would say to the workers in the nursery, we would say, hey, sorry, uh, no babies again, so you can just go to the service. Well, it's not the case anymore. In fact, we're in a position right now where we have four kids' classrooms. We don't have enough uh, teachers and, and helpers to function all the way on four classrooms, and yet our classrooms even over the summer, I've begun to overcrowd as we have so many people coming that we're, we're having to go to five classrooms. But I just said, we don't have enough to do four classrooms, but we're going to five because there's so many people coming to hear the word of God. So what, what, like what do we do? I feel like we're in kind of a, an odd season as a church. We've had pockets of this before as we've grown quickly. I feel like it's a bit prolonged at this time where people are continuing to come uh, we're growing fast, but a greater percentage of people are coming and they're consuming. They're just sitting, they're not serving, they're not giving, they're just in a seat here. And maybe that's you. Come every week and you're here and you're just sitting. I'm, I'm just going to tell you something. God is moving in this church. Through what's happening, the people being reached for Christ, the churches that are started out of this church, there is a movement of God coming out of this gym. But if we all keep coming to just suck in, we will vacuum ourselves right out of a movement. And so if you've been coming here for a little while, even if it's only a month, two months, but you would call this your home, serve the Lord. Don't just suck in. Serve the Lord. God does not exist to serve you. You exist to serve God. Uh, there are others of you in this room uh, that you maybe used to serve. Maybe you served for a year or two years, maybe in renovation, kids or somewhere else, but you quit because it was difficult or life was stressful. I will tell you that the Lord needs you to serve, not just to come here for yourself. I think one of the things that we, we mistake when we think about church, we think that church is a time where we come and we get fed. And I would say there's a piece of that that is true. You come, you hear the word, you worship the Lord. But listen, you can fill yourselves up with the Lord all week long. You've got to be meeting with him every day for a quiet time to just study the word and, and talk to him. I mean, you can listen to worship music. If you need to worship, you can do that all day long in your car or wherever. If you wanted to, you could podcast a sermon seven days a week. But when we come here, you can do the one thing that you cannot do on your own as a disciple. You can serve. Uh, some of you, as you hear, like, oh, wow, this, all these kids keep coming, and we would need 40 volunteers just to make this happen. By the way, we prayed for the miracle of that in the prayer meeting um, before the service. Some of you are saying, I, I, I would do that, but I don't want to serve in renovation kids because if I'm in renovation kids, that means I miss the service. I would tell you, we, we actually have two of them. Um, <laughs> there's another one at 11 o'clock. Uh, you, can, you can stay. Some of you go, but yes, but I bring my family and I have my kids and we live 15 minutes away. 
Just commit to say, you know, hey, once a month, I'm just going to drive separately so I can serve the Lord and not just consume. If you're already serving once a month, many of you serve here uh, once a month, some of you just need to walk out to your ministry leader today and say, I will do twice a month. I, I, I don't think it would be crazy if you served every week, right? Even if it was an hour a week, you know, the average American is spending five to six hours a day just consuming entertainment. An hour a week? Serving the Lord? Uh, most of you know, I mean, our life is just so inverted, right? Many of you know I just, I love to read. Um, and I especially love to read just stories of people who've, who've done much for Jesus. Uh, when I was on vacation uh, last week, uh, I don't know if I would call it vacation. I was at a cabin with uh, 15 kind of extended uh, family members. And there were lots of kids in one house. And I was not in the office for one week. Um, and I... While I was there, I, I read uh, the biography of Nabil Qureshi. Uh, it's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. It's the story of this man. He grew up as an incredibly devout Muslim. Uh, but in the early 2000s, he had a Christian friend who really challenged him to start to actually study and investigate Jesus and then go back and actually investigate the claims of Islam. And after studying for years, he decides that really the truth is that Jesus is the Son of God. And he devotes his life to to Jesus, even though it cost him all of his relationships with his Muslim family members. And yet God goes on to use him mightily for the kingdom. And one of the themes that just keeps jumping out to me as I read is that with much sacrifice often comes great results. But see, the American church is in trouble because its people won't sacrifice. And God isn't even calling most of us to move away from our families or move overseas. And we don't do it because our faith is inverted. Keep looking at God like he is there to serve me and make my life easier. And if that's how Americans continue to look at God, Christianity is over in this country. God will grow it somewhere else. He'll grow it in China. He'll grow it in South America, Sub-Saharan Africa. But if we just, if we think Christianity is just sucking in rather than pouring out, it's over. It's over here. The world around us is a lost I know many of you know, some of you, the reason, one of the reasons that we're having all these kids come is because you're inviting people to come, hear the gospel, and they bring their kids, and their kids come, and they come into these rooms, and they hear the good news of Jesus, and, and our teachers are teaching them how to pray, and they're memorizing a Bible verses. Will you sacrifice with us? Will you pour out for Jesus instead of just coming to suck in? Will you let God use you again? Will you serve your God who served you with his son's life? If it's not renovation, kids, just labor in the Lord somewhere. Right? Come, come set this up. Tear it down. Greed. Work in the parking lot. I don't care. Right, here's another one. Uh, we're going to have over 350 adults in a house group this fall. That's insane for a church, by the way. But as of right now, 100 people, 100 of those 350 people have no place to meet. 
If they were starting next week, then we would cancel those groups. We still need two or three more families. They're going to say, yeah, it's work. It's actually labor to get my house ready, but I will open up my house to host, not to lead, just to host, because the Lord has blessed me with this house, and I'll open it up for the Lord's work in my home. A Christian's life must be marked by service. Every one of us is called to pick up an oar so we can row God's kingdom forward. And so if you're not serving here, you got to serve. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus. Disciples aren't consumers that just sit. It starts with serving. So I, I, You'll get instructions later, but just fill out one of those cards or your connection card. You can pick a team. You can drop either of those in the offering later today. And let me just finally say this. We, we, we trust and we serve because we know that the word of God says in this verse that our labor is not in vain. Uh, God, when you do God's work, it is never in vain. Uh, Hebrews 6.10 says this. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. So much of what we do in life is in vain. Right? All the things that we do, all the time we put in to make our bodies look just right. I just read to you, you're going to get a new one, okay? It's fine. <laughs> all the stuff we do at our house or our yard work or endlessly entertaining ourselves, many of even of our hobbies, just really ultimately there's no eternal value in them, but nothing that you do for the Lord will ever be in vain. Think about this. We just baptized another 19 people a few weeks ago. And if you were there, you heard story after story after story after story of people who walked into this church and they were guided to their parking space by you. They were greeted by you. They were led in worship by you. Their kids were taught by you. And when they heard the gospel message and they responded, God crossed them over from death to life, from hell to heaven, from darkness to light. And now he's transforming their families. Their kids are growing up, hearing about Jesus. It's amazing. We exist as a people of Renovation Church. We exist to serve God. And it is a blessing to labor with him even if it's hard. So join the fight. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, we ask for your help. Uh, I know that uh, it's easy to, to resist a message like this and to look inward and to look inside of ourselves. And so I just ask that you would be so present in this room right now and that you would move us, God, so we can change the world, that you would move us to join the fight, to be a, a disciple that serves. In your name we pray, amen.